0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into Let's Go Racing with David Starr, episode 120. Dominic Aragon here. Tyler Jones is out this week, but not a problem. We've got a great show on tap. When we have Matt Kemp stop by here in a few minutes, Arca Racer, this past weekend at Iowa Speedway and a couple of starts along the way in the 2023 season, we're going to hear a very fascinating story in his backstory coming up on today's show david Starr is always joining the program david how are we doing this weekend fresh
1: off a weekend out in dallas texas man i'm doing good man it's uh it's it's fun to hear uh hear you dominic you start the show we're used to hearing T- uh, tyler jones's yeah. really big voice you know so uh <laughs> anyway man we're doing great it's hot here in dallas uh it's been hot for a long time i love the heat and uh but uh man we but we got great hot weather it's been beautiful and uh uh, just been busy working at my racing school, and uh, but man, I hope you guys have had a great week yourselves. And we're trying to stay out of the heat here Thank too, you. that heat wave that is
0: just pummeling the Southwest. We're hitting triple digits here across New Mexico, and I'm sure very comparable temperatures throughout the Midwest. Our next person on the panel, Joe Quente, he's with WDXD 101.9 out of How- Tallahassee, Florida, also owns doorstopnation.com and has been on the panel before. Joe, thanks again for, for joining us this week here on Let's Go
2: Racing. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate just hearing racing stories and talking with David. David has a bunch of stories, and it's great to hear him talk, and uh, I'm just so great honored to be here again, filling in for Tyler, but I don't have that voice like Tyler has. I'm just a crazy <laughs> right. No, I don't think
1: like I- any I- of us do.
2: No, <laughs> no. And he should be, I said, he should be uh, doing voiceover work and stuff. right? I, I said that he should be the new Tony the Tiger. That's what I said. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he should be the voice for Tony the Tiger, you know. But, no, I, I'm just a crazy person that commandeered the airwaves on one point nine. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a crazy person. But uh, I'm thankful to be on here today.
0: Well, when I asked Joe to fill in a few days back, he's like, are you sure you want to do that? He, he compared it to, like, when you set a raccoon in a room and just – kind of let them go wild and see what happens. But mm-hmm. I don't think we're going off the tracks. That's all good, man. We're going to start with yeah. you this week, Joe, on the, the rain-delayed mm-hmm. race at New Hampshire. So NASCAR pushes the race back because of all the rain on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You see Martin Truex Jr. come out with a dominating performance. Quite the race, 34th career win. That ties him for 25th all-time on the wins list with Kurt Busch. Martin Truex Jr. looking as good as ever.
2: Oh, definitely. Monday Martin, as they call him, always gets to wins on Monday, right? But yeah, he was just dominant, and uh, there was really nobody really there to get up to him at the speed. Heck, actually, when they about to give the command, he actually fired his motor right before they gave the command, right seconds before everyone else, and he just wanted it more than anybody. So, uh, yeah, got that win in New Hampshire, uh, 30 starts, and finally got his first win in New Hampshire, just like he got his first short track win a few years ago at Richmond, where he raced all his years, and now once he wins, it just snowballs. You know what I'm saying? Like, you were there. Uh, when he won the 600 that year when he led almost every lap remember that huh.
0: oh yeah a dominating performance led all but i think eight laps in that race the most miles in nascar history and and, and david what a dominating performance here by martin i mean leading into the week and you and i picked him on our weekly pickums last week and we said martin Truex was going to come out ahead on the race he had led the equivalent of three full races before getting the checkered flag and and here was a winless guy in 2022 he goes and opens the season with the clash victory and he's got three points awarding wins so far he's still undecided if he's coming back in 2024 but david i gotta imagine when you're winning this often and this frequently it's got to make that decision tougher on retirement or weighing that option on coming back i feel
1: like it it, winning solves a lot of problems yeah no doubt about it but you know martin truex jr (laughs) and joe gibbs racing uh when you say Martin Truex Jr., former champion, uh Joe Gibbs Racing, I mean that's that's a championship caliper organization team. You can never count out Joe Gibbs racing and Martin Truex Jr., you know, those guys have lots of speed week in and week out. Different circumstances, you know, last you know, uh throughout the the season has has really had some bad luck, but man, when when they were hitting on all eight cylinders they're a force to be reckoned with, and, uh, you know, I I didn't watch the race Monday, because I, I was busy working, had a lot of stuff going on, and uh, I was keeping up with it as much as I could, and and one of the things that people were letting me know, how dominant he was, and, uh, you know, it's always, uh, for Martin Truex, I guess, if there's a race, you know, size of Daytona 500, and, you know, all the other big races out there, but there's one that he really wanted to win. It's always the, his home race, you know, and Martin Truex Jr. being from somewhere around that New England area. Uh, 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 so good for him. But, uh, but man, you know, it's not a big surprise to any of us, uh, you know, how dominant he was. And, uh, and then, Dominic, you brought up a good point. You know, I guess we've been hearing a lot of different things. Is Martin Truex going to continue to race? Is this going to be his final season? You know, none, none of us really know. Uh, and, uh, you know, and like you said, Dominic, winning fixes a lot of things, you know. But, you know, Trix has won a lot of races. You just mentioned it. How many races did he tie? Who did he tie?
0: Kurt Bush at 34 wins.
1: Yeah, Kurt Bush with 34 wins. I mean, that's just a phenomenal career. Uh, you know, and Martin Trix is just one of the all-time best. Done well for himself. Uh you know, uh, there's so many different uh, elements to why he would choose not to continue, or why he would con- choose uh, choose to, um, why he would con- continue for another season. You know, it's, uh, you know, all of us say, uh, "Man, driving for Joe Gibbs Racing got all the funding and all these great sponsors," you know, behind him and Joe Gibbs Racing Championship ch- Championship Caliper team. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's always uh, lots of other elements that that make a decision for a driver to continue another race you know i think we talked about it earlier today uh you know spin you know the the heck the, the schedule you know and the testing and uh, the tire testing and just the sponsor commitments you know and and you know having everything you could ever dream of that he has you know it's hard for most uh people fans and people in the business to, to really step in Mark Truex Jr.'s uh, shoes to understand, you know, sometimes people just get tired and they want to maybe spend a little more time with their families doing other things, you know, and, and uh, you know, maybe they've made a, uh, you know, uh, their their uh, financial side of things. Maybe Mark Truex got more money than he's ever going to need. And, uh, you know, you really don't know all the circumstances, but it'll be interesting for all of us to hear when it's right and the time for Martin Truex to come out and he, him and his family will make the decision on, you know, if he's going to continue to, uh, you know, to, to race at the, at the highest level of NASCAR racing, or he's going to, you know, decide to step back and, and retire, you know, halfway retire, retire completely, you know, so uh, it'd be kind of interesting to see how that works. You know, we, we know Kevin Harvick is uh, this is his final season and uh, you know, and, Kevin, you know, we, we talk about Kevin a lot. We'd like to see him win a, a race and a championship, you know, and I'm not so sure, and I asked the question to you guys. You know, Martin Truex wins a couple more races. He's got so much momentum behind him, wins a couple more races, and, and wins a championship. You know, he might just said, man, I've done all I need to do, and, and man, y'all, uh, it's been great. See you guys later. Who knows, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, Joe, I think Jeff Gordon said it a few years back that had he won the title in 2014 ahead of the season before he announced he was going to retire the following year, that if he won the, the championship in 14, that he would like to ride off into the sunset. And Martin Truex made similar comments on that this week.
2: Right. I mean, uh, absolutely. Like, right. I was going to say, just like John Elway won the Super Bowl, he retired. Peyton Manning, he won the Super Bowl, he retired. You know, saying people want to go out on the I know, like other athletes have done other sports, you know.
0: Definitely. Fascinating conversation. We'll pick it up some more on the other side, but for now, we're going to introduce our next guest. We love to have cool guests on this show, and this week is no exception. Our next guest, I've personally known this man. I'm going to say a good twelve years. He's a he's somebody I can call a friend, but really, really cool to see where his racing journey has started and where it's going. He hails from the great state of Michigan and has run in dwarf cars, has run i racing, sim racing. And oh yeah, most recently in the ARCA Racing Series this past weekend in Iowa, that's none other than Matt Kemp. Matt, thank you so much for joining us this week here on Let's Go Racing.
3: Thank you guys for having me. I'm stoked to be here.
0: Hey, we're stoked to have you, man. So you were telling us before the show started, going from dwarf cars to full body stock cars. I mean, tell us about that transition. How, how quick of a learning curve or how steep of a learning curve is something like that?
3: Well, I knew it was going to be pretty significant, but... Uh... Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised, uh especially by the amount of power in those stock cars. I uh shifted to second gear my first practice out, and I was like, oh, I want to see what it's got. And I put the gas down, and man, it lit up the rear tires. And I was like, Holy smokes, this is sweet! <laughs> those dwarf cars got a really good power to weight ratio, and they got a, you know, they're super fast. Most nights we'll we'll actually go out and like, you know, we'll be running top five in the modified feature, you know, if we ran the same race. So um, those cars are already fast and got a ton of power, but man, those stock cars, you know, they're, they, I, I'll say, they were everything I dreamed of.
0: Man, that's all you can hope for, right? The American dream and just making it to the next level of racing. But take us back to the beginning for you, Matt, where did it start? The passion for racing, for motorsports. Take us back to the very beginning and, and what it initially sparked that desire for racing and motorsports in general.
3: My f- earliest racing memory was probably back in i don't know i want to say it was 2004 but my parents went out to the vegas race and uh you know as a kid i was really into spongebob and watched it all the time and uh, my parents brought me back a jimmy johnson die cast with spongebob on it and uh from that day i was a jimmy johnson fan that was my earliest racing memory but uh um honestly my really you know, between life and everything going on, I really didn't get back into racing until a few years later, I started watching stop motions on YouTube and just happened to be your stop motions, uh, especially. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, kind of getting me into the, the NR 2003 and online racing kind of thing, uh, with some of your NR 2003 videos and stuff like that. So yeah, you actually played a bigger part in it than you, you probably realized, but, uh, but you know, wow. between everything. So, uh, yeah, no, just up until then. Um, I mean, sim racing, started racing in 2012 uh, at 13 years old and been racing about 10 years now and won my first championship last year. And it's obviously been insane this year. And I, I mean, Three, four months ago, I would have told you I'm never going to start an ARCA race, and I've started two at this point. So I have no idea what's happening right now.
0: (laughs) And I can tell you, David, this man right here is one of the best drafters you could ever work with. He and I, we we ran a lot of races together, and I'll be – I can't speak for Matt, but I can speak for myself. And I can say, David, that I was usually one of the last cars running. But usually if Matt was in the back, he and I would link up and hook up together. We pushed each other to a lot of races and a lot of wins. Similar, David, to what you and Ryan Vargas have at the Super Speedwise.
1: Say that again.
0: Similar to what you and Ryan Vargas have at the Super Speedway style race. That's kind of what Matt and I had on the sim racing kind of front. We worked together a lot and really good teammate, really good pushing, really patient. Because, you know, if you're working with Dominic on the racetrack, you kind of got to be a little patient.
1: <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I, uh, you know, it's like it's real life, you know, and, you know, at these uh, Super Speedway race races, Daytona and Town you just, you want to give yourself and your team an opportunity to be there at the end. And, you know, whether you just kind of cruise in the middle of the pack, give yourself a little bit of real estate, in case something goes down or, or you're riding the back, you know, or you just go up to the front and just run the front pack. It's just, it's hard to, you know, there's not really any safe place really, you know, and you got to have a lot of racing luck on your side, but, you know, um, Over the years, falling back to the back and kind of cruising for half the race, three quarters of the race and then making run for it at the end is is really paid off well for myself and others. But uh, but, man, I hate racing that way. But it's just, uh, you know, whatever you got to do to be there at the end. And it sounds like, you know, uh, you guys might do the same thing on your on your, you know, when you race Talladega and Daytona on your racing simulators, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, Matt, just looking and. Seeing you sitting in your racing simulator, uh, it's pretty pretty cool deal. And um, I don't know too much about sim racing uh, myself, but, you know, it's it's cool how popular it was during COVID uh, when there was no sports going on anywhere. And to have NASCAR put sim racing on Fox uh, was incredible. And it really put sim racing on the map. And, and just like yourself, and Dominic and m- millions of other people, it really exposes our sport to you know and opportunities in our sport to be a race car driver. And it's cool to hear your story how you started on the sim and now you went to uh, your local track and ran race dwarf cars and now you're racing in the ARCA series. I mean that's the American dream, you know, hard work, uh, lots of passion, lots of desire, a lot of lot of a lot a lot of want to and uh, anything's possible so uh it's pretty cool to, to hear your story and uh you know it's not you know i'm sure uh it's not easy uh it's not easy but uh you know dreams you got to be dream big and go out there and accomplish them and it sounds like you're on your way man so it's pretty cool
3: no i appreciate it and it's exactly what you said there. It's just you got to want it and you got to work your tail off because you know, they don't, they don't go around looking for people nowadays, you know, you gotta, if you want it, you uh-huh. gotta go get it. So, yeah. uh, you know, and that's the part that, you know, nobody really sees is all the work I've put in over the last three to five years of just, you know, knowing that, you know, this is the level I want to be at, this is where I've you know, what I wanted to do, stock cars, you know, that's where my heart is, you know, I love dwarf cars, and I would not have an opportunity to race if it wasn't for, for Eric Hoffman, and all the folks in the MCR dwarf cars, I would have, I'm convinced I wouldn't have run a single race over the last five years, because I couldn't afford it, but they gave me an opportunity to run dwarfs, and, um, obviously, it's been amazing, and I have had way more success, I, I, I never thought I'd ever have a track record, and I have four now, and I, like, just absolutely blows my mind, just the way that things have gone the last few years, and, um, and one of those was in a rental car, which is like the coolest oh. thing ever. I I feel like that's like the coolest thing ever to get to say, but, uh, but no, it, it's just been unreal, really. I mean, just, just unreal. But I mean, there's been a lot of work that's gone into it over the last few years and things have just kind of been paying off this year, but, uh, it's more than I could have ever imagined truthfully.
0: Yeah. How does how nice. somebody set a track record in a rental car? You got, you got to tell us more about that one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, okay. So it was a rental race car, right? It wasn't like a... I didn't go to Hertz and, and <laughs> go out on the track and set a track record, but, um, no, Eric, Eric's just got a great rental program. That was, that was what he, uh, he gave me an opportunity to, uh, to come out and race in his rental car one night. Um, you know, and, and actually, uh, that was how I got started in dwarf cars. Cause I, I'd, I'd been out of a race car for a year, came back and ended up getting a podium for my first time run. And I don't, I mean, the third place car got spun out coming to the line and I got, you know, I was a little bit lucky, but it was, uh you know nice getting that but uh, we actually we scaled this car with me with me in it um, this rental car because usually I hadn't been scaled in the cars but um, I went up to the shop and got scaled and kind of got everything right in it and we went to the we went to the racetrack and broke a rear end and uh, because at the time we had like these eight bolt rear ends not quick changes so um, we broke the rear end in qualifying one race and I actually still qualified for it at that race. So the car was really fast already, but uh, he just had another gear that he threw in there, which happened to be the right gear. And the next time we went there, it was really fast. And we ended up setting a track record with that same car. So it was like, man, that's just, I just couldn't believe it, but it was really sweet.
1: Hey Matt, what, uh, um, you know, don't downplay dwarf car racing. Those, those cars are short wheelbase and uh, lots of power to, you know, consider how much car weighs and they're, they're, uh, they're not easy to drive, you know what I mean. So, uh, you know, any kind of racing, you know, street stock, bombers, you know, dwarf car, legends car, bandoleros, man, it's a stepping stone, you know, and and it, and it gives you, it gives you uh, what you need, you know, to enter the corner, get the car to rotate in the center, and then forward drive, you know, and, and you know it's racing, dude, it's real, and uh, look where it's gotten you to. I wanted to ask you uh, what racetrack, what racetracks, when you do race your dwarf car, are you racing at, and how big is it?
3: So the biggest track we run on with the dwarfs is the four-tenths mile out over at Run Speedway on the on the east side of Michigan. So so we're it's kind of a travel racing club, so we go all over the place. Um, so we we you know we're in Indiana, Michigan. Uh, we used to go into Illinois a little bit, um, but you know some notable tracks that we've run at uh, Flat Rock. That's one of my favorites, Kalamazoo Speedway um, South Bend Motor Speedway, uh, just a, a bunch of tracks all over the, all over the state of Michigan that we used to race at Toledo. Um, just didn't, don't do a whole lot of racing there anymore, uh, in general, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so we're, we're all over the place. We go from four tenths miles down to small three quarters, small quarters. So that's pretty much, that's pretty much how we run on.
1: And man, so SpongeBob got you interested in in racing, huh? I I heard something about SpongeBob. I know that's kind of a new one for me, but (laughs) but your parents went to Las Vegas and uh, got a Jimmy Johnson ass car and had a SpongeBob on it. And that's what what sparked your interest, huh? Wow.
3: Well, you know, it's my earliest racing memory. So uh, in terms of, you know, actually knowing what really sparked my interest in racing, I'm not sure, but. Uh, I, I'd imagine that probably had something to do with it. That's, I mean, that's the first thing I can really remember racing wise. <laughs> I still have the diecast, actually. It's in, yeah, it's in rough shape though. That's <laughs>
1: all right. That's awesome. So, um, so what's your, what's your, what's your next race? What's the plans moving forward for you?
3: Uh, well, I know that, uh, I'm running the dwarf car this weekend. We've got a double header. Um, I'm not sure I'll be able to make both races because, uh, I've got some some other conf- conflicts on, on Saturday that might might keep me from the track on Saturday, but I'll be running on Ber- at Birch Run on Friday. And then um, in terms of the ARCA thing, you know, I just just like the last two, I have no idea. So um, <laughs> I didn't think I'd be at Iowa a week and a half ago, and then we ended up being at Iowa. So who knows?
0: You know, oh, and man, that's awesome. a that's few awesome. weeks prior to your first ARCA star. I mean, tell us how that all came together. And Andy Hillenburg, you were telling us before the show, but like a deal like that coming together and their team called Fast Track and going from Dwarf Cars to ARCA certainly is a Fast Track experience. So how did that all play out together? You know, did, did you call him or how, how did it all play out?
3: Yeah. So actually, it, I'll be honest, it kind of came together by accident because I really wanted once they announced flat rock last year like i said earlier that's one of my favorite racetracks and uh, i've had probably the most success i've ever had at any other racetrack i don't think i've ever finished outside the top five at that place i just i just love it you know it's it's just been a great place to me and uh i love the place so i was like man i gotta figure out a way to get in into this flat rock race when they announced the east race there so um you know i'd been you know working on trying to find sponsors and stuff like that and um actually had a LMC, uh, Lake Michigan College came on board. That's actually the community, co- community college that I uh, attended um, a few years ago and uh, had a great experience there. And I really liked the folks there and got in touch with some folks I knew and uh, just happened to come up with a deal. And, um, I mean, it was just before the Flat Rock race. You know, I called Andy and just like, hey, this is how much, you know, we got to work with. Is there something we can do? And he's like, you know, I think we can do something. And uh, we talked about it and, we almost made the cut for Flat Rock, but uh, ended up ended up not quite making it. And then uh, I, I worked my tail off to come up with a little bit more and figure out something for Berlin. So um, things just kind of came together because he was like, well, we couldn't run Flat Rock. Let's try to run Berlin. So, you know, I still really have a big desire to go run Flat Rock. Hopefully they'd bring it back again next year. And, man, I'm going to be working my tail off trying to get into that one because I, I want to run that one worse than any of them. But, uh, but yeah, no, it kind of came together by accident, to be honest with you.
0: Man, in these two starts you've got to make. You get to have a lot of family, a lot of friends on hand, a lot of a lot of Matt Kemp racing fans in attendance.
3: At, at Flat Rock for sure. Uh, at Iowa, I don't think a single person knew who that guy was. So, um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty cool. But um, having some friends and family out there, you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it was really special. Well,
2: I know uh, once you get more starts on your belt. More more starts will keep coming. You know, what I'm saying it's going to snowball because if you look at any racer, any racer I've talked to, even David can attest. Early in his career, once he made a few starts, the ball kept rolling. He made more starts, right, David?
1: That's right. The right. And man, I think what Joe's saying is, um, you know, when coming from the I uh, I racing stuff, I know there's a lot of people out there, you know, thousands, millions. I don't know. You guys know more than I do. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a, you know, you might be surprised uh, how you're inspiring other people that are i racing too. That really, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, they're a pretty damn good i racer. Maybe they have an opportunity to go out there and run legends cars or dwarf cars and, and kind of follow in your footsteps. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you had, you know, 100, 200, 300 people up in the stands you know, kind of paying attention to what you're doing because um, you know, what pretty spectacular to go from i racing to dwarf car to let to, to a arc car. That's that's amazing, really. It's a great story, you know, and uh it it gives hope to the a lot of young men and women out there that, that wanna be racers too that are starting on i racing. So uh hopefully your story and your career will inspire them to to follow those those, you know, in your tracks as well. You know what I mean? And and you're just now getting started. So there's the sky's the limit. You know, you got to go create opportunities and get some great partners and uh, be kind of cool to keep up with you and to see where you're gonna end up next year at this time. You know, that's uh you know, but you know, and like it's like you said earlier, man, it's it's not easy. We gotta have a lot of lot of a lot of passion, a lot of desire, a lot, a lot of want to because you gotta go create opportunities and you've done a really tremendous job doing that so good
3: luck to you oh heck I, I appreciate the heck out of it and uh i'll tell you if i can do it anybody can that's for sure so <laughs> i uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh yeah. I certainly appreciate it
0: but so, i mean, and, I mean when you're behind the wheel at either of these races mid-races there were a point I'm like holy crap i'm in an arca race
3: <laughs> yeah i remember at berlin my uh my first few laps in the race you know racing around other cars practice is one thing all right but actually getting in the car during the race and racing around other cars, it was like, this isn't real, man. This is, this is racing. There's no way this is real. This just does not, I can't believe I'm here right now. And I mean, it happened at Iowa too, but Iowa, I was, you know, a little bit, you know, I kind of settled from the first one a little bit, kind of, you know, it'd been a, a month removed, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, could not believe it mid race. I mean, I literally was looking at the wall, looking at the marbles on the track and everything. and I'm like This is not real. There's no way. I just can't believe it.
0: (laughs) Now, all these people you got to race against over these two races. Who sticks out the most? Who was maybe the toughest competitor or the or the toughest car to get around when you were on the track?
3: Well, I'll be honest with you, Berlin. I was just trying to stay the heck out of the way. I'm like, I, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm just here, man. I can't believe I'm here. I just don't want to cause any problems. Now at Iowa, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try a little harder today. (laughs) And so I was, I was working hard and. uh, racing my teammates actually pretty uh pretty well Tim uh Tim Monroe actually all those guys on on Fast Tracker uh for, are pretty good so uh yeah it was fun racing against all those guys and then um yeah I don't know it it went by so fast I can't completely remember everybody I was around you know it was just it goes so fast when you're out there but uh but yeah it was so yeah. cool. it-
1: it don't matter. You're just trying to pass every car in front yeah. of you. So you're not yeah, exactly. We ain't worried about who the heck's driving it. You're just trying to pass them, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't care who their name, who they are. <laughs> well, you aren't,
3: you aren't joking either because I literally, I passed, uh, I passed uh, I think it was the 01 car, and I thought it was the 10 or vice versa. And I didn't, you know, I'm like, oh, I just, I've been passing, you know, he's been hanging out all day, just just chilling. So I've been getting around him, and I it turned out it was the other car, and I was like, who the heck am I? Round I don't even know so it was yeah not, and I was up to twelfth at that point I was like what the heck I went back and looked at the results I'm like dang I didn't I didn't know I was running there <laughs> that's fine. do you get but to have David any what was your with,
2: first
3: go ahead David, uh, David
2: go ahead. Uh, yeah I was gonna ask David uh, what was your first truck series race like when you first your first very race in the truck series what was that like David
1: man you know it, it, it's amazing you know it's a lot of emotions. You know, a lot of emotions still today, 25 years later. But, you know, for me, looking back way back then, I raced pretty hard with Bobby Hamilton Sr., you know. And uh, mm-hmm. later on, I ended up being a, a, a great friend and, and a really, really tough competitor. And, you know, I watched him on the cup side, you know, watched him on TV for years. Uh, and then going to my first truck race and racing with him, literally trading paints, bumping, racing with the late, great Bobby, you know, Bobby Hamilton was just amazing to me. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, you know, and, you know, after a while, you know, these people you they're your heroes and you idolize them, but you know, they're just racers. they they put their jeans on like we do. And, and, uh, they created opportunities. They're just hardcore racers and gotten some good opportunities they are really good. And, and, uh, but, uh, but, but that was probably one of my first memories of racing somebody that I've watched on TV a long time was Bobby Hamilton in my first race. But, uh, but you know, it just it's just cool. I mean, whether you're racing started way back then or you race today, it's still, uh, for me, uh, and like Matt, you know, it's still very humbling. And, and you really have to paint yourself because, I mean, the dream is massive. You know, people don't realize how um, you know it's 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 uh, not an easy task, you know what I mean? And uh, it's a little bit different today's world of professional auto racing. You know, you gotta bring something to the table, bring sponsorship, uh, bring funding. Um, but uh, but you know, it's uh, you, you gotta go out there and work hard like Matt's doing. And, and you know, the sky's the limit. You never know where you're gonna end up at. But uh, it's cool to hear Matt's story of how he started with die racing and then. You know, just says last week raced at Iowa in the arca race. Pretty, pretty impressive, you know. Oh, absolutely. right. Uh, but trip. David, uh
2: when you first raced that truck series race, whose truck was it for?
1: Ah, uh, I was racing that truck was for a uh, uh a rear Morrison uh professional mm-hmm. drag racing team. They're the winningest pro stock pro stock Chevrolet Pro Stock team in history. Rear Morrison. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy that drove their pro stock car, which was my teammate, was a guy named Bruce Allen. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, but that's 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 who, you know, took me truck racing for the first time ever was Rear Morrison, Buddy Morrison. He was The late, great Buddy Morrison he was like a dad. Pretty cool. That's so,
0: awesome. Yeah. So, Matt, yeah. I got to ask, I love asking drivers this when they win a race and they're in the press conference. I'm going to ask you the same question. So let's say 60 years from now, you're sitting in the rocking chair and you're thinking of these first couple arc of stars, especially the first one. What do you think you're going to remember the most about this whole experience?
3: I can tell you one of the things that I'll remember the most is uh, is actually, you know, going to Iowa. and I mean, definitely that experience I told you already about, you know, just not feeling like it was real at Berlin because it, it really did not. It was so unreal. Um, but Iowa for sure was, was one of the coolest experiences of my life, too, and just actually getting up there and really feeling like I was really in the race. You know, I was racing people. Berlin, like I said, I was trying to stay out of the way, but iowa i felt like i was actually racing guys and having just an absolute ball um you know i was pulling i was actually pulling into pit road at one point and there was a car spinning on the track and you know right next to me and it was like holy cow i can see him spinning out and it's like this is just i don't know it's just cool (laughs) you know i've been i've been behind a bunch of wrecks before so it's like it's nothing new but it's just you know different environment you know it's just cool as heck for some reason and then when i was pulling out of pit road it felt like I was on iRacing at a, again at Iowa because the pit, the pace car was actually sitting there at the end of pit road, and I'm like, you know, cautions out, pit lights are clo- pit lights are red, and I'm like, oh shoot, am I I gotta beat the pace car? You know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just cool.
0: <laughs> That's so awesome, man. Well, and so obviously you're gonna continue racing, and you got the dwarf cars going on. So, what would you say over the next maybe two, three, four years would be some some attainable goals and some some big goals that you have in mind?
3: I'll be honest with you, Dom. I have no idea. My life right now is as crazy as it's ever been. It's changing at a faster rate than I could have ever imagined. Um, A lot of ways good, but um, a lot of those ways, I don't know if they're going to be good for racing, you know, so it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to keep working hard at it, but I just don't know how many more opportunities I'm going to be able to uh, come up with, but I'm certainly going to try. And uh, it's been such a blast. And I hope I hope that my opportunities this year and what I've been able to do in, in my limited, uh, limited starts and limited track time that hopefully it, it can create some more opportunities, but you know, you just, you just, it's hard to, hard to say nowadays, you know, it, like I said, both of my deals, like I didn't know I was going to be in Iowa a week and a half ago. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just see, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I, I don't even know what my life's going to look like three months from now, much less, uh, <laughs> much less four years.
0: Well, and David, we forgot to mention too, before we got started here, Matt and his fiance, they're currently planning a fall wedding set for October.
1: Awesome. Congratulations, man.
3: <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: That is, that's that's so cool. You know, that's, that's amazing. Uh, well, I can just tell you, you know, uh, I don't know who sponsored you, who your sponsors were, but just make sure that you have their, both their best interests at heart. Make sure that you know when they sponsor you that you do everything you can to make sure they get all the exposure and and can see a return on that investment and when you when you love on them and and go out of your way to do everything you can to make sure they get the maximum exposure uh uh you you know you never know what you know could have a lifetime partnership there you know and and uh And those, those types of things are life changing on a, you know, for a racing career type deal, you know, so absolutely.
3: No, for sure. And I appreciate that. And I I do definitely try to, I could, I couldn't stand asking somebody to sponsor me and just putting a sticker on the car because I know it's like, man, there's so much more you can do, you know, you know, you can, uh, you can really help them show some investment or some return on investment. So um, actually we had a pretty good opportunity. I got to run the exact same car at Berlin and Iowa. So it just opened up some great opportunities for me to, to, you know uh push them further you know that opportunity doesn't come very often where you get to get to do that so um you know hopefully hopefully they were happy with with that I actually have a meeting with them tomorrow to uh with some of them tomorrow to go uh to go run some stuff by them so I'm excited to go do that and and, and show them some numbers and um been working hard at it so we'll keep doing it well good I'm luck with sure. that
1: man we uh, we hope uh we hope you uh have a Long term partnership there, you know, and, um, you know, you, you just, you never know, you know, but if you, you know, go out there and, and just be very passionate and be real and truthful and like you are, you know, it, it all works out, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, we, it'd be cool to see in some more Arca races this season. Absolutely. Arca racing driver Matt Camp here on the show with us this week, episode
0: 120 of Let's Go Racing. We're going to get to our news and notes here in a second. Joe Harquente is going to take the reins on that this weekend. Joe, where do we begin? What is going on in the NASCAR world?
2: Oh, man, we got a lot of stuff going on. You got Pocono this uh, this, this weekend. It's going to be great. Hopefully that gets in. It always rains at Pocono, right? <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to see another rain delay. I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, I, I'm still drying up. I was in Chicago a few weeks ago, and it rained cats and dogs and maybe a few seagulls. You know what I'm saying? But, no, it was uh, – we hope for no rain at Pocono. I know it rains there all the time, but no, we got a great, uh, all the news and notes for this weekend. You know, we got this, this Brody guy running in for the Indianapolis cup race for Richard Childress. He's from Australia doing the V8 supercars. Just like SVG did, man. You know what I'm saying? He did great. So, uh, this guy can do great, even better thing. And so we'll see. And, uh, you know, an Indy robo race, it should be interesting with Indy cars racing the day before and everything. And, uh, I was going to ask David, David, what do you think of the, of the Indy Roble? you think they should do the Indy Roval or do you think they should go back to the Oval?
1: Man, you know, my personal opinion is uh, the first time that the Xfinity Series went to Indianapolis was magical. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I went to the first Brickyard 400 in 1994, uh, was there with A.J. Foyt. It was unbelievable to see NASCAR racing at Indianapolis Motor Speedway but for me personally to, to run my first race there and all the Xfinity races there on the, on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it's just, it's, it's so surreal. You can't believe you're racing on this racetrack where all the, you know, all the Indianapolis 500, Al Unser, Bobby Unser, AJ Foyt, Mario, I mean, just Jim Clark, you're just on and on and on. You're like, so much history there, and it's just amazing. It was always one of my favorite races, and uh, I was, uh, you know, I was really uh, sad when they when they took the oval away from uh, from from there and made it a road course because I really really thought just racing in at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the oval was just so magical, you know. But uh, but NASCAR, you know, I take my hats off to NASCAR. They've done a lot of things outside the box this year and last year, which are working, and uh, so I really I love that. Uh, but I'm excited to see that they're having a tire test back on the on the on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway oval, and, and uh, I'm excited to hopefully that they'll bring back the Brickyard 400 on the on the oval, you know, and the Xfinity yeah. race as well. Yeah, that'd be cool if that
0: happens. Absolutely. And, and Matt, let me ask you this: Seeing Brody come in and run this race with RCR kind of feels like, you know, I'm not going to say they're copying team track house, but certainly track house had success with SVG at Chicago. And you have another great New Zealander, Australian, who's really good in the supercars coming over and running a cup series race. You know, you can relate to this going from one car to another. I mean, how big of a learning curve do you think Brody's going to have here in a few weeks?
3: Well, uh, I can tell you a couple of things. I think the, uh, the next gen car, I think for SVG, it helps a lot too, that the next-gen car really just has a ton of similarity to those uh, V8 supercars and just kind of how they drive. Obviously, driving with the shifter on the opposite side and everything, uh, I, I mean, it's still super, super incredible and impressive that uh, SVG was able to do what he does. But I had the pleasure of being bro- uh, teammates with Brody, actually, on iRacing for a little while. So I can already tell you that guy is pretty darn good. So um, I'll be surprised if he doesn't go out and – the cup guys better be on their game that day because I'm telling you, they don't want to get shown up by a by another supercar guy, uh, two for two for those supercar guys would be pretty impressive though.
0: So David, if he goes out and he has a great runner, even wins the race in his debut like SVG did, is that good? Is that bad for the sport? How does that look on the drivers? You know, because you had some of the drivers say that, you know, we he's probably gonna go home and say that we lost and we 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 got our butts whooped. How, how, how much of a look is that within the garage and, and as a sport as a whole, David?
1: Well, I don't know if you, you know, from the driver's standpoint, I don't know if you look at it that way. Uh, the SPG guy, if you, it was a perfect storm, you know. I mean, the way the race played out with the, with the, like Matt was saying, the new next-gen car is really similar to the Super V8 cars that they race over there. Um, the the track in Chicago was track that none of the cup guys have ever raced on before you know uh so there was somewhat a a, of an equalizer there you know and uh and the way the way the race played out you know what i mean uh with with the rain we had early in the morning throughout the afternoon the race getting started late nascar really during the race you know Going to all the teams saying, "Hey, we're only going to run this amount of laps." They shortened the race during the race uh, when people already had their strategies worked out. I mean, it was just a perfect storm. Uh, but uh, the SP, what's his first name? I can't remember. What's Shane? The guy's name? Shane. Shane. Shane Bang- yeah, Van yeah. yeah. I mean, guy was unbelievable. He, I mean, came. I mean, I don't know where he was, 18th or 19th. Drove up to the lead. I mean, it was phenomenal. You know, and and. Uh, the way he was using the clutch and the way he was shifting, I mean, he, uh, I mean, it was phenomenal. It was unbelievable. Uh, but th- that type of track with our next-gen cars and everything, a racetrack that most of the Cup guys was not familiar with, I mean, it's just interesting how it all played out. Now, the the guy coming in to drive for children, it's, it, it's be kind of cool to see the you know, the V8 supercar guys from overseas come in come over here to the biggest racing series in the world and, and to compete at some of these road course races. Um, you know, be, it's going to be interesting and, and exciting to watch to see how it works out. But I don't believe the perfect storm will be the perfect storm that we saw in Chicago, if that makes sense. You know, what I mean, a lot of the NASCAR guys have been running, I don't know how many years, the last three years that the Cup guys have been running on this road course. So a lot of them are real familiar with it. A lot of them are good at it. In fact, I would think that the guy going to drive Childress's car, uh, you know, he might be at maybe a little bit of a disadvantage because so many other drivers have been competing on this track for years. You know what I mean, if that makes sense?
3: Absolutely. But, but,
1: exciting, but exciting that, you know, to see Children give another V8 supercar driver an opportunity to come over here to America and compete at the, in the world's largest racing series in the world, you know. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. There'll be a, and then what's neat about it is it brings a lot of new eyeballs, you know, it brings from overseas people, you know, when you say NASCAR Cup Series racing, I mean, it's, it's not just in America, it's worldly, you know, I mean, it's worldwide and it just, it really, uh, broadens our, uh, our our fan base, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, what James did and, and all the people watching from overseas, uh, you know, it's just making our sport bigger and bigger To and it's already humongous, you know what I mean? So right. I think children's putting this guy in his car is really just good, great for the sport, you know, and and you guys know, we'll all be tuned into that race to see how he does. This is an exciting race anyway, you know what I mean? And, and we're hoping that lots more new eyeballs come in and hey you never know i mean we might get some new sponsors from across the pond now that come over here and sponsors you know maybe yeah. matt you know matt might get a sponsor from cross seas i mean it just creates more opportunities for us race car drivers you know what i mean it's it's a great thing you know so i, I love it i'm excited and it's gonna be cool to see how it all works out
0: So joe with right. this in mind what makes for a successful race when we look at that score pylon at indianapolis the end of the race what makes a successful day for Brody Kosteski in that debut with RCR?
2: Oh, I would say just finish in the race, maybe get a top 15, which I'm assuming he will. Uh, you know, I, I think to just keep the car in one piece, which I think he will because uh, the way that they are racing, even the way FSVG race, they're clean racers and everything. And I was going to ask David is, with the new next-gen car and the old car, the way the V8 supercars are, they have like the five-year uh transmission where it's just up and down opposed to the h pattern you know what i'm saying uh what do you think do you prefer the h pattern or do you prefer the new uh next-gen car where it's just a five-year thing
1: you know it's interesting you know because you know the, the v8 supercars you know just i'm like you guys i was just learning more about it but it, it seems like the drivers over there their their race cars are super you know v supercars, whatever they call them. I mean, it's very, very competitive, and those guys are pretty badass. You know, they're pretty awesome, and man, they they race hard from the time they drop the green flag to the time they get to the checkered. You know, and and uh, when you come over here to Merrick to America, and step into our biggest racing series in the world, and 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 some of the best race car drivers in the world that race in it, and you can beat those guys. I mean, it says how talented those v8 supercar drivers are they're incredible so brody coming over here getting an rc 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 car uh uh will will be interesting to see you know just to to kind of weigh out those v8 supercar guys you know i mean i don't think the guy's going to have any problems and uh you oh, know, exactly. if you finish in the top fifteen or top ten, you know, it's that's I, I think that's a big success, you know. But mm-hmm. I think the racetrack Indianapolis, the the racetrack there, uh, you know, and I asked the question, how many how many how many years, Dom, have they been racing on the road course there at Indianapolis on on the cup level? Since two thousand twenty one. So this
0: will be the fourth installment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of those Cup drivers, they're, they're so familiar with the track. Uh, you know, and I, I just think it's going to be, a. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll get showed up like they got showed up there at Chicago. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's going to be interesting. But I, I think that, again, going back to your, uh, Joe, your, your your question, I think mm-hmm. the, the way the sequential shifting in our new next gen race car really plays out to the favor of, the super va cars over there you know it's the mm-hmm. same ship patterning you know what i mean so i have had the opportunity hopefully i will for the year end to drive the new next gen cup car but man the racing's been incredible you know i mean no matter if they're on the road course daytona you know wherever the racing's been phenomenal you know so mm-hmm. uh pretty cool to see
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and to your point, Joe, talking about Pocono this weekend in the High Point Four Hundred. We'll go around the room here in just a second, but reading back some of the odds and what odds makers are saying for this weekend's race, Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. are your odds-on favorites at five to one to take the checkered flag at Pocono this weekend. Kyle Larson sits at seven to one. William Byron at eight to one. Ross Ch- Ross Chastain rather at twelve to one. Last year's winner who crossed the line in third place, Chase Elliott, at 14-1. to 1. And the highest rated of any past Pocono race winner, you have to go to Chris Busher, who's sitting at 6,600-1 6, to 1, entering this race. Oh, we'll, I we'll go around we'll the like room. That. Matt, let's start with you. Who is going to win the high point 400? Bets aside, everything, just straight up, who is going to win the race?
3: You know what? I, I don't know. I feel like uh, for some reason, uh, I know they're – completely unrelated and it makes absolutely no sense but i think kyle bush i'm just gonna say kyle bush it feels I right like that he's this, a past winner a Kyle Busch. i
2: like that it's a this new, this new version of kyle bush and I, I gotta give my pick but i was gonna say i talked to kyle last few weeks and different races and stuff this is a different kyle you know what i'm saying and you can see there's an extra step in richard Childress's stuff you know what i'm saying like it seems like the team has been revitalized and it seems like kyle is like got this new attitude and then maybe he's more positive or something. But even whenever he had the problems that allowed him, uh, he wasn't like the old Kyle where he was yelling and stuff. He just it just seems like he, he's a happier version of Kyle. You know what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely. So Kyle Busch, mm-hmm. you pick there, Joe?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, no. who wins that point, Uh,
2: You know what? Danny Hamlin. And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be the all-time winner of Pocono if he does win this, by the way. And if you ask Denny, by the way, he will tell you that he's an all-time winner at Pocono. But obviously, the whole thing last year. But I think he's going to win. Uh, you know, Denny, any version of Pocono, even before he, they repaved it, he won there. And uh, any version of car. He's won there in the uh, back in the car tomorrow days. So he won the back in the mid-2000s with that different car. He's going to win this version. Uh, he's just one of those guys where you're at that track, you know that he's going to be a force no matter what he's driving.
0: So there we go. We have King, yeah. Denny Hamlin winning per Joe, Dr. Joe, mm-hmm. I should say. David, we Thank know you. if you listen to this show every week, more often than not, David has been picking Kevin Harvick every week. Does that hold true again this week?
1: It holds true, but I can tell you, you know, uh, X, man, they they got a lot of momentum on their side, you know, got a lot of speed. Uh, you can't ever count him out, you know. And, and you know, Joe picking uh, uh, Denny Hamlin, Denny, it don't matter what type of car he's—he's he's the master there at at Pocono, and uh, somebody that really needs to win bad to to advance in the playoffs would be uh, Chase Elliott. So, I mean, I I know it's going to be an incredible race because there's a lot at stake, um, but I'm going to go with Kevin Harvitt just because I love to see Kevin win uh, before he uh, he hangs up the helmet there after Phoenix. Yeah. Okay, yeah,
2: that, I can totally pick. see that. I can see. I can. I can totally see that. And now I was gonna ask David, you race at Pocono, David. What's it like coming down that really long front straightaway into that corner first turn?
1: It's awesome, man. You got to get off turn three. I mean, turn turn three is a, is a, is an important turn. Your car's got to really rotate good in the center, and you got to be wide open coming off turn three because it's so long, man. If you don't get off turn three very well. And, and, man, it, it's, it takes forever to get down that front straightaway. But, man, if you can get your car working good, it, it turns in the center. You get back to the gas quick. And, man, you can make that straightaway even longer. It's amazing how much speed you carry down that front straightaway. It goes forever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, man, you can drive your race car way down in there, you know, and way down into the corner, a little bit of brakes. But, man, what a fun racetrack, man. It's, it's so much fun to race there. I've really enjoyed racing there over the years and uh but man it makes for great racing it's exciting i mean i mean it's amazing that there's a, a triangle racetrack you know what i mean it's like turns one and two and three and four this is like turn one turn two and turn three it's it's weird you know but it's right. uh it's a cool racetrack and dominic how long have they been racing in pocono from the late 60s when did they school? late 60s uh, 19, i believe
0: 1969 yeah. was the first year no and they, they were, no well, you were no
1: one? no the first cup race there was
2: 1973 uh because uh the original schedule in 1973 they were supposed to race in Trenton okay and Trenton mm-hmm. was taken off the schedule and Pocono replaced it in 1973 when they first the modern era first happened
0: Wow It's a cool nice. track. I can tell you cuz I've been there like eight times. It is a fun race weekend to go cover. Even a, a few years ago I'll tell you a quick story. They used to do media pace car rides where they would peg an Xfinity driver on Saturday and a cup driver on Sunday and they would take out a street vehicle and they would give you a couple laps to give you an idea of what the racers are going through. So, Justin Allguyer is doing the cup rides on Sunday and driving for h Scott Motorsports at the time. And we got a Chevy SS. So, myself, our managing editor at the time, Justin Malillo, get in the cars to three of us. And I think somebody else. And Justin, he turns around. He tells us, Look, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to be able to go that fast because they have some safety vehicles, but I'll, I'll try to do my best. I'm like, okay. So we all buckle in and he punches the gas off of pit road. And we're already hitting 100 miles an hour going off into turn one. He avoids the safety vehicle, goes to the tunnel turn, goes in turn three. And like you said, David, he made that front stretch just a little bit longer because he punched it down the front stretch. And by the time we hit turn one, we were pushing 140, 150. I got a kind of a little view there sitting there from the right rear passenger side, seeing about 140, 150 there on on the tack. That was pretty cool. It was really getting thrown in the the side of the car as it went off. But, no, great racetrack. It's going to be a great time, I'm sure, out there at Pocono. It's only the second time now in recent memory that Pocono only has one race on the schedule. But I'm with you, Joe. I think Denny Hamlin gets it done. He gets redemption for that stripped win last year. Right. Oh, definitely. He's
2: he's, going to be hungry. He's going to want it more than anybody, I think. And sometimes you just got to want it more, just like Truex. Uh, last Monday when he went more than anybody I was going to ask David is, they say that turn two at Pocono is kind of like one of the corners in Indianapolis and turn three is supposed to be corner at Milwaukee. Do you find that to be true?
1: Well, you know, uh man, when you go down that long straightaway, you're carrying so much speed, you know, you use a little bit of brakes getting a turn one, but you know, it's, uh, to me, it's not like an Indianapolis turn because, you get in the corner there, it's really a lot of banking in turn one there in Pocono. It's mm-hmm. amazing, you know, and and really it's a fun corner because, man, you take so much speed in there, a little bit of break, but you get that thing to turn in the center. And, man, once it starts turning, you're feeding at the gas. It's unbelievable the run you can get off corner number one back there on the back straightaway. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, I mean, sometimes you can go in there and, and – with too much speed and you just overdrive the corner and you're too freaking tight, you know, and that kills you down the back straight away. But it's such a unique unique racetrack, you know, and the tunnel turn is bumpy. Uh, you know, it can be a challenge. The bump sometimes can can free your car up. And a lot of times, you know, if your car gets through there and, you, and it turns good in the center, a lot of times you're, you're tight off the corner, you can slap the wall, you know, but it's, it's just, man, it's a, fun racetrack it's a racer's racetrack you know and yeah. uh and turn three is so different from turns one and two you know what I mean it, it's uh very flat and, and very challenging but man what a what a great racetrack and it's uh it's fun to race on and uh you can see the guys bump drafting down the back straight you know the front straightaway because it's so long and, and Dominic will tell us it's probably the longest straightaway on the circuit is that correct Don? Joe, you can fact check me on that.
0: I believe it's yes. true. just over five thousand feet.
2: Uh, yes, uh, actually, it, it is currently. But the last two years, when the road America, road America's front stretch is a little bit longer. But uh, now it is. Yes, yeah, now, now, now it front is. Now it is. Yep. All right, our last
0: segment here before we get going here on Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Everybody's favorite segment. This is your chance to sound off and get in touch with us here on the show. This is where you send in your questions for David and the entire panel, if you so wish to. You can always send in your questions to David Podcast at gmail.com or interact with us on social media, twitter.com slash star podcast and at facebook.com slash podcast. So we're going to go to the mailbag for the first question and i I think david you might know this guy he he sent in a question this question comes in from tyler from dallas and this question's for both david (laughs) and matt tyler from dallas wants to know if david and matt could race in any non-nascar series what would it be and why matt let's start with you
3: any non-nascar series huh yeah that's tough um I don't know, man. I really want to race a NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> um you know what? I uh I got I'll say my i I I'll take the easy answer. I, I love my dwarf cars. My uh the MCR dwarf car series here in Michigan is just a blast that there's I've raced against some of the best drivers I've ever raced against in this in this club and uh there's just a lot of great people in it. So uh I, I'd say this club.
0: That's awesome. How
1: about you, David? man it'd be kind of cool to get in a late model again on you know a half half mile short track late model race car and uh run a run a hundred lap race or two hundred lap race that would be awesome you know and uh that would kind of be my choice you know i kind of that's a great question you know you want to jump in a dirt wedge car late model car it'd be kind of awesome as well you know but uh man there's just all types of different types of racing uh all of them are cool it'd be kind of fun to get in a dwarf car or listening to matt talk you know because they're not you know, they're not easy to drive because they're such a short wheelbase. You know, they're very uh, temperamental. They're, uh, they just react so quick because they're so short-based. But uh, but anyway, for me, it'd be a short-track late-model race at a short-track somewhere. It'd be unbelievable.
0: So we have short-track late-model. We have the Dwarf cars. Joe, if you were given that opportunity, non-NASCAR, what are you racing?
1: Oh, probably IndyCar.
2: i am always been a fan of IndyCar, even back in the day when those cart was around and the Champ Car Series. And, I, you know, I love IndyCar races, and I love the the way they, go, they have the schedules, different ovals and road courses and street courses. And if I was into NASCAR, I'd probably be into IndyCar, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I think for <laughs> me, guys, I think what would be really cool to be a part of – you see the videos on Facebook and YouTube. I'm not even sure on the exact name of the league or the leagues or even how you go about doing it per se – but the stuff that Lake Speed used to do back in the day, and he fast-forward to the people that run the tag carts, the tag go-karts that go 100 miles an hour, and they race in Daytona. They race mm-hmm. it in Indianapolis. They race at Gateway. I think it'd be fun to be a part of a series like that where you're being a weekend warrior on the weekends. You're wearing the full fire suit, and you're running the low-to-the-ground go-kart that's going between 50 and 100 miles per hour.
1: That'd be cool. Yeah, that's awesome
0: be a lot of fun. Our next Mm -hmm. question comes in from Lane.
1: Dom's living dangerously, isn't he, Joe? A little bit.
0: bit. Speaking of danger, that's a great segue into this next question. This one is for both Matt and David. This is from Lane. Lane wants to know, what is it like to see a wreck happening in front of you? What's your brain processing, and what are
1: the thoughts as it's unfolding? David, we'll start with you this time. Man, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you can see it happening, but – you know, it's just you, you want to make a split second decision to, to not be involved in it. Sometimes you can get gathered up in somebody else's wreck, you know, and, and uh, uh, for me, I you know, whatever whatever lap they're wrecking on, I don't want to be involved in it. You know what I mean? I want to race and have the opportunity to have a great finish or a win, you know, and uh, so when there's a wreck happening in front of me, I'm you know, you only have a split second to figure out if you're going high or low and, and and hopefully your spotters you know they they uh you know they're helping you but you know they, they either say go low go low go high go high you know what i mean so you know you got to make a split decision and uh once you make that decision you got to live with it you know and depending on what race track it is sometimes you know there's a racetrack's got a lot of banking if they're wrecking you know they're going to fall back down to the bottom uh, you know there's all kinds of situations but uh for me it's just trying to make the right decision to be able to not be part of the wreck you know what i mean it doesn't always happen that way it's, it's just it's just racing you know what i mean but uh, but man i hate wrecking Uh, early on in a race or during the race i want to give myself and my team an opportunity to have a great finish or a win so i hate to wreck
3: well you can't always avoid it you can't (laughs) always avoid it but i mean uh yeah i i I try to personally i I mean you kind of have to just prepare for it and always kind of expect it to be happening at least from from my experience you know you kind of just try to predict it where it's going to happen you can't always but uh sometimes you got to shove it in a hole or you know you think it might might work out but if you see a wreck happening in front of you i, I feel like there's really not time to think you just kind of react and um you know you, like like david said you kind of got to live with your decisions so and and you got to yeah. make it like that you know so mm-hmm. sometimes you can't predict it
0: well, Joe, I think we can exp- – not from racing experience, but from media experience and shooting photos and stuff. I, uh, Joe and I can tell you from from example, you see a crash or a wreck on the, the track, you just start clicking with that camera and hope you get right. something
2: good. Oh, right. I was just in Chicago a few weeks ago, and uh, – gosh, who was it? It was in uh, – it was James – who the heck oh, – was Jensen Button. He was in a 15 car, and I was right on the last corner, like right in the in- entrance of Pit Road, and Jensen got clipped by – got to say Joe Logano. And he spun around. He came uh, only a few feet of me in that wall, okay? And I was clicking away as a photo and the camera taking it, man. He was so close to me. I can hear it coming. I knew that he – I heard the tires squealing. I'm like, oh, man, I got the camera. And I saw him coming closer and closer. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't hit me or anything like that. But, I mean, he was only a few feet away from me. It was crazy.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like mm-hmm. lightning-fast reactions. Final right. question. On the inbox as well, and this is actually for all of us. We'll go around the room on this one. Mm-hmm. This question comes in from Barbie. <laughs> Barbie. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if that's a, a real name or a fake name. Well, because
2: the Barbie movie is coming out, right?
0: Maybe yeah. that's why they chose this name. Uh-huh. Barbie wrote in and she wanted to know, guys, what is your favorite track? So, Joe, let's start with you. What is your favorite track?
2: Oh, boy. I don't know. That's a good question. I always love the road courses. You know, i am always been a road course type guy. I love Sonoma. Uh, Probably, I would say, uh,
1: probably Sonoma.
0: Okay, Sonoma for Joe. David?
1: Yep. Man, that's a a hard question. You know what I mean? I mean, I I love to race. It don't matter where I'm at. You know what I mean? Uh, Whatever pays the most. Man, Martinsville, Virginia is awesome. Short track, you know, very, very physical. Uh, Daytona, Talladega, Texas Motor Speedway, St. Louis, Phoenix. I mean, man, you know, I love them all. I guess I can, I guess one of the things I would say is, um, uh, you know, the ones that, um, if there was ones I'd sit out on, you know, before the others be the road course races, you know what
3: I mean? Oh, uh, man, I love them David all, right. killing me.
1: No, I hear you, but I mean, I just, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, but yeah, I, I, I just love racing, you know what I mean? I don't care where mm-hmm. we're at, you know, shit, it's fun. And, uh, <laughs> You know the ones you win at. You know they're they're. I'd say they're your favorites. But man, just just be able to race at any race track is my favorite. You know, uh, and mm-hmm. you know my home track, Texas Motor Speedway. I, I love that place. Uh, but man, man, I I grew up short track racing. I love the short tracks, Bristol. You know, I like going fast. You know, Charlotte, Atlanta, uh, Kansas City. I mean, it's just they're all awesome. You know, and uh it's hard just to pick out a favorite one, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I guess your favorite favorite is, uh, you know, the ones that you want at the most or or, or your home track, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my all-time favorite was a racetrack in Bryan College Station, Texas, northwest of Houston, Texas. called Texas World Speedway. was a oh, two-mile yeah. super speedway track. Amazing banking. Uh, unbelievable rate. My favorite racetrack. It's been, uh, you know, bulldozed down, and now there's houses there but that was my all-time favorite track just because I grew up going there as a little boy and watching my dad work on race cars there and uh, amazing. But, uh, the great Did question. You ever race there? Did I you want to race, race there you... in 1997.
2: Yes. Yeah. race. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. Man. Yeah. I know yeah. it. Yeah. So,
0: how about for you, Matt, your favorite track?
3: Really hard for me not to say Flat Rock Speedway, but, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The, um, the two starts I've made in Arc, I've been really fortunate to make it some really cool racetracks. Berlin was an amazing place, and Iowa was an amazing place. So, um, obviously, in terms of the <laughs> the big-time tracks, I don't have a whole lot of experience, but, man, I do love me some Flat Rock. Perfect. I guess oh, that's funny. That's <laughs> great.
2: Oh, David, before you go on, I asked Dominic this question earlier today, and Dominic doesn't even know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to ask David is David, would you prefer Dynasty or uh, or Dallas?
1: that's awesome (laughs) probably dynasty you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) I figure as much yeah yeah so Dom what what is your favorite track
0: I gotta go Phoenix if we're talking on the NASCAR schedule that's the closest one that's been the drivable one from New Mexico I mean everything's going to be an eight-hour drive away from here but Phoenix is about a five-hour drive and the, the local track here in Milan New Mexico which is the town next to Grant's uranium capital speedway when as a kid and had the chance to to run a, a test session there in a hobby stock car in ken kurtz's vehicle a couple of years ago so i think that place will always be special in that regard and and i can tell you guys just from that that 8 10 12 lap experience it was pretty cool to get more confident behind the wheel and getting a little faster and you can feel the 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 track shifting beneath you and having to change lines and stuff it was so much fun i i would love to get back behind the wheel of it sometime soon again awesome yeah that's great Guys, this has been a great show, and it's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun. Matt, tell us and tell our listeners where they can follow along and, and how they can get in touch with you.
3: Yeah, for sure. I've uh, I've got a website, mattkempracing but you can um, I, I post most frequently probably on Facebook, um, just because majority of my uh, um, folks I know are, are kind of on there, and then um, but I have Twitter too. I think it's Kemp Racing Five. Um, instagram i think it's matt five, but uh yeah pretty much matt kemp racing on facebook i've got a youtube channel too it's um i probably don't want to waste your time with those i'm not great at making videos but i've made some so <laughs> you can look at them if you want to but uh that's but yeah cool. that's that's pretty much it
0: that sounds good man that sounds like a great way to spend some time and, and joe thank you so much for filling on the panel again this weekend where can people listen to your show and what you're doing online
2: i got so much stuff going on it's crazy i swear but, no I'm on <laughs> WDxd 101.9 uh, I host an afternoon show there uh, you go wdxd.org I also got my own site doorstopnation.com and I got I've been doing that for almost 20 years now it's crazy Wow and uh, I know it's crazy and now uh, you know it is once you get started doing something I was just telling Matt as earlier on the show once you get your first start you get more and more and more and the next thing you know, you doing like twenty races? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure with David when he first made his first start in the Truck Series, was it just a one-off deal that evolved into many more races, right, David?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. We all got to right. start somewhere, you know. And, right. uh But man, all of y'all done well to to be where we're at. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't easy. Nobody gave us anything. It's just hard work, you know. Uh, that never give up attitude and uh, you know a lot of want-to and you know you end up where your dreams are, you know. So yeah. Right.
0: Absolutely. You keep pushing on mm-hmm. and
1: everything will work itself
0: out. And guys, we're gonna put the checkered flag out on this show, episode 120 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes drop every Wednesday on all podcast platforms: YouTube, Spotify, Apple, the Google Play Store. You can always leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Up to you. <laughs> Take your pick. You can also interact with us. You can email us and get in touch with any of us at davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us along on our social media pages, facebook.com slash davidstarpodcast, twitter.com slash at starpodcast, and as well as YouTube and online at any of the previous platforms that we had mentioned. For Matt Kemp, David Starr, Joe Quente, I'm Dominic and Thank you guys so much for taking a listen. Tyler's back in charge next week. See you.